Welcome to the Independent Dependent Podcast. I'm Amber. And I'm Nina. This podcast takes you behind the scenes into the life of U.S. military spouses. We chat about all things lifestyle, business, and how to become an independent dependent. Hello, guys, and welcome back to the Independent Dependent Podcast. We are chatting with Alyssa today, and she is such a seasoned military spouse and had so much amazing information to give. If you are a military spouse looking for guidance or clarity, make sure you listen all the way through this episode. It's going to be a good one. So let's get into it. Welcome, Alyssa. We are so excited to have you on today's episode. We would love if you could just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your story of becoming a military spouse. Hi, Amber. Hi, Nina. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here, especially since this is my first podcast appearance. And I became a military spouse at a very young age, the great age of 19. And I met my husband early on freshman year in high school, and we were high school sweethearts. Insert the awe here. And we actually just celebrated our 19 year wedding anniversary. So I have been on this military spouse journey for quite a long time. We kind of entered into it together because I was in college, you know, telling him all the plans that I had for the future. And he had graduated high school kind of with no plan, just going through it all. And he ended up turning to the Navy as his four-year career plan, whereas my four-year career plan, of course, was going to be based on college. Well, you know, boot camp and love letters and excitement kind of changed that along with this idea that um, he was told once he arrived at his first duty station that he was going to be deploying pretty soon. So I flew out to see him on my first visit a couple months after he got settled there. And everybody had joked with me before I left that I was going to come home married. And on the last day of that visit, I kind of told him that and he looked at me and was like, well, let's just do it. And that was that was our proposal story. And we didn't get married that day. But a couple months later, we eloped uh, in Seattle city center actually and under this beautiful fountain it was a great day just us and a couple other sailors from the ship to kind of stand as witnesses and that started our journey two months later he was on a deployment and I was at home I thought I was going to stay at home and do college while he did his thing and we were going to fly back and forth but somehow that just didn't work out And I decided I was super independent and Ian and I had some conversations and I wanted to make a home for us to start with. And I had always wanted adventure and I thought what better way to do it than explore Seattle together um, while he was stationed out in Bremerton on his first ship. So I applied for (laughs) Navy housing, not really expecting it to happen so quickly at the end of my freshman year that May. And they called me up two weeks later to say, you have two weeks to get here to accept your house. And so I did. I packed what we had up and flew out there. And that was really the beginning of everything. And I kind of started that journey actually alone too, because he was extended three months additionally. So we didn't anticipate that he wouldn't be coming home in September. I thought he'd be coming home just a few weeks after I accepted that key. But I had a whole summer by myself to really get to know my area, register myself for college again, (laughs) because I was determined to keep going with my education. I met some families through the family readiness group. I connected with the ombudsman, who is the family liaison for the ship in the Navy and even in surface Navy. And that was the start of it. That is awesome. Thank you for sharing all of that. I know that you've been a spouse for quite some time. Like you said, I think 19 years. Um, So congratulations to you guys. That's awesome. So thank you for kind of sharing a little bit about your background. We were really excited to talk to someone who's been in for a lot longer than us. Nina and I are fairly new to this military lifestyle. I've only been a spouse for for like two and a half years, but I've been with my husband for almost seven. And so still fairly new. I'm under that 10 year mark and Nina, I know is the same. So yeah, we just appreciate you kind of sharing, you know, some of your experience and, um, how it's, you know, felt to, to start that journey for yourself. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have been a spouse for almost two years now, but my husband and I got married or got together three and a half years ago. So a lot less time. Um, but fun fact, I also got married at 19. So super cool. Alyssa, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your story with us. I know when we were kind of reviewing some of the information you shared with us as we were getting all of your your episode scheduled and ready, you kind of talked about how early on in your marriage, you guys were maybe not necessarily planning on having kiddos. And then you found out that you were pregnant in the midst of school right before your husband was leaving for an extended deployment. So if you are interested in kind of sharing some of the feelings that you had about that, and if you and your husband had uh, conversations that you feel like would be helpful or you're interested in sharing with some people who might be in a similar position, I think that that It's just an interesting story, and we'd love to hear a little bit more from you if you'd like to share. Absolutely, Amber. Thank you so much for asking, because I have met along my journey some other spouses who end up finding themselves with multiple surprises. The surprise that deployment is coming and the surprise, you know, that you are going to be parents soon, too. And that happened to my husband, as you mentioned. And we had always known that deployment was coming up, even though he actually was on shore duty. So in the Navy, when you kind of get that shore duty time, uh, you're always like, oh, this is great. We're together. We don't have to worry about trainings and things like that. But, you know, we are engaged in different work campaigns and the Navy has been called upon to do more boots on grounds deployments. So people may not necessarily understand that in the civilian world, outside of our military world, that Navy is also doing that too, because they think of so much of a sailor being shipbound all the time um, and out to sea. But here he was facing a deployment that he had to do in order to progress his career forward. And we knew when it was sort of coming, but not really. And we didn't know that uh, we were going to have children. I kind of had some health problems and they were really alluding to the fact that it was going to be a difficult journey to have kids. So we were going to make the conscious decision to really put that on the back burner. I was due to have some surgery and found out in that pre-op blood work with a phone call that I was actually pregnant and we were canceling that surgery. And it was just a few days after my husband was told that he would be leaving, pretty much when it aligned, they told me on the phone that I was going to have this baby. <laughs> and I had a really tough pregnancy. Uh, I was high risk. We had some scares there and I ended up having an emergency C-section. And due to that nature, he was granted an extension to stay with me for six weeks. And six weeks is kind of this big marker when you're pregnant. You know, you'll always hear about six weeks postpartum or six weeks maternity leave. And even for active duty members, you know, six weeks paternity leave for fathers um, and for women, thankfully now who are active duty, it is much longer for them. So I was like, okay, well, I'll at least be, you know, healed up and walking. But I was scared. I was scared to be a new mom. I was scared of the fact that I had to parent alone. I was worried how I was going to manage a deployment that was not like I knew before. You know, this was our first deployment with that boots on ground term I spoke of. Um, I'd always been used to having also a family readiness group with the ship and an ombudsman to support me. Um, This was at a time where We did not have that at the command we were at. The Navy was a small group embedded at a joint service command, and I had to turn to Army services to support me. And I know you all spoke about mental health on this podcast so much. And when I listened to some of the episodes, I thought about my own journey because it wasn't really until I was pregnant that I knew since I was going to be a mother that I had to start to care better for myself. And I looked to the resources that I could have since I didn't have that family readiness group around me that I was used to. And I turned to the new parent support group program. 
that the army base had offered, which is available at all military installations and was incredible. I got to talk to a social worker who really helped me through the anxieties and fears that I was having about deployments and about becoming a new mother. And she was with me right through my entire pregnancy, you know, a phone call away. She even came to visit me when I had my son in the hospital. Um, she came to visit me when I was at home getting ready to, you know, say goodbye to Ian, this, this new dad. And it was something that was really valuable to me. I, I don't know um, if I would have had such a strong outcome and been ready to face that next chapter if I hadn't had that support and taken that step to reach out for myself to make myself better, healthier, a stronger new mom and a stronger spouse. So all of those roles kind of had to come together. Thank you for sharing all of that and just about your experience with your own mental health journey. We obviously on this podcast really like to create a safe space for people to open up about what they've experienced and things that have helped them, things that haven't helped them. So I was, I'm glad you brought up the program that you were able to get some support from because I was going to ask you about that. It's something that I, I'm not a parent yet and I'm not been in that phase of life. So that wasn't something that I was even aware was available to to spouses, to new parents. And so I was going to ask if it was still around so that anyone who's listening might be able to tap into that in their local base if they feel like that is needed. So I'm glad that you shared that and that it was a support for you. I just wanted to follow up on that. How did you kind of come to that decision for yourself to finally reach out? I know you mentioned that you had kind of this maybe external pull because you knew you were going to be a new mom and you wanted to be able to do that for your new baby when you did um, actually have your your child with you postpartum. But was there any other kind of internal pulls or conversations that maybe you had with loved ones that helped you kind of finally take that step forward? Just kind of wondering that because that might be helpful for some other spouses who are in this position, knowing that they, they might be needing to reach out for help, but just aren't sure maybe how to initiate that conversation or to really finally make that step for themselves? Absolutely, Amber. Great question. And of course, I do encourage anybody who finds themselves thinking about child planning to really look at the resources that are available because the New Parents Approved is still a program that functions today. And you know that every military installation has a family center. You know, it looks different names for each of our branches, but also every branch has that family liaison person who is the link between the command and the families, you know, in the Navy and Navy Reserve and Coast Guard, it's the ombudsman. In the Air Force, I believe you all have the family liaison officer. In the Army, it's the family readiness support officer. Marines, you've got family resource officers. So you can kind of see the commonality there, but they are there to support you. And there are always people to support you and never feel alone. I think that internal pull I felt was really realizing that without my family readiness group and my, without my ombudsman, I felt really alone. Of course, I naturally relied on my family and I'm very close with my mom and she has always been a good friend and encouraged me to advocate for myself. I was not really great at that during this initial journey as a military spouse. I really tried to stuff it down. And as you all know, you know, those military stereotypes sometimes kind of creep in and they can set in. And, you know, I was a young spouse before imposter syndrome, you know, was this term that we're all talking about as a collective to overcome. Um, and I really was having that, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm just a spouse, you know, no, I have to suck up, you know, how tough it is to be alone while he's out to shore doing train or out to sea, excuse me, doing trainings. I have to be stronger than this, you know. I am not going to drop out of school and, you know, relegate to a nothingness. I need to still have my education and, and have a career. And I was putting so much pressure on myself and I was giving myself so much anxiety by doing that. And then also not coping and, and understanding that it is okay to say it's difficult. It was okay to reach out to somebody to talk to and hear what I had to say. And my mom actually kind of put that bug in my ear and told me, you know, this is a, a life-changing journey now. And 
you know, we were separated, of course, by distance, as so many moms <laughs> and moms to be in the military find themselves displaced from home. So you have to know, and I hope I can be a voice to others to recognize that you are worthy of being your own advocate for yourself and for that intuition that you feel for this coming child. And, and it, you know, and the subsequent children that may come after that. We need to love ourselves enough the way we love our service member and the way we love our children to also um, advocate for ourselves. And there is a word that I've come to learn throughout my education too that describes this intuition that you kind of alluded to, Amber, and it's called matrescence. And matrescence is the journey of becoming a mother holistically, biologically, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically. And there is great things happening out there and great resources coming to help us understand this term that can give us power knowing a word for these feelings of anxiety, that intuition pull that, you know, there's a transformation happening, not just, of course, growing another human, but also within who you are and your identity. And, you know, we've got this layer of being a spouse and now you're facing this layer now of being a mother and those are other identities and we're adding to them. <laughs> so there's, there's so much room to grow, but we have to find that power and that love for ourselves and, and know that we are worthy of sharing our story and receiving love back. That was so powerful. I am glad you also brought up the word matrescence. I'm probably going to say it wrong. That was not a term that I had heard before. I kind of reviewed your the form that you submitted when you talked about that. But I think the two things that really stood out to me were the term matrescence and imposter syndrome, because I was reflecting as you were talking about imposter syndrome as a spouse, thinking back to experiences that I had when I was I was in grad school and struggling with the pressures that come with that while my then boyfriend, now husband, was on his first deployment and dealing with the feelings that come from that. And despite being in my hometown and near family and friends, I think like you said, imposter syndrome comes because who am I? You know, I'm so close to home. I have my friends. I have my family. I've, you know, going to school and doing all these great things, but I still would find myself, you know in a puddle on the floor crying and being so upset because of all the stress and overwhelm and obviously missing him and everything that comes with dealing, you know, with someone that you love being deployed. And so I, I actually love that you brought up imposter syndrome because it's something we talk about in the entrepreneurial world a lot, but I've never actually paired it with being a military spouse. And so that was very much a light bulb moment for me, actually, <laughs> while you were explaining that, because it's something like you said, with the term matrescence, that once you kind of hear it and you learn about it and you pair it with the feelings that you actually have, it almost labels can be good and bad. But I think sometimes having them or having something to turn to and be like, oh, that's what I'm feeling. I can, I have something to call it now can actually be really relieving. And then you almost have an easier way to talk about the feelings that you're experiencing with others. Once you have a term for it and you have a definition for it. And it's something that then you can go to people and start a conversation about because you, you know what to call it and kind of almost put, you know, you as yourself and the things that you're experiencing paired with that term to help people maybe understand who come from a place that haven't experienced it before. Yeah. So I just wanted to share that because I thought that was awesome. I really appreciate you putting, you know, explaining both of those terms and how they relate to being a mother and a military spouse. And that was just, yeah, very eye-opening. Even for me as someone who's gone through some of those feelings, I've never in my life considered how imposter syndrome plays a part in being a military spouse. So that was awesome. Yeah, same eye-opening for me as well. I definitely can see now where imposter syndrome is not only just a feeling that I feel in the like entrepreneurial or like business space. And you said something really powerful too, is that you feel like you have to like, just suck it up. And I get something I like to say a lot is I feel like I'm always stuffed into this like supporting role as a spouse and that, you know, you're here to suck it up, you know, based off of strictly what like our husband chose as their, you know, career path. And I was curious to know, I know now with the online space being a lot larger and me being able to find community online and talk about some of these things with Amber and some of the other amazing military spouses out of our community that we've built. But have you noticed any difference between now and like the sense of community 
and being able to be open and talking about your struggles versus maybe when you first became a spouse? Absolutely. And I'm so happy to share with you all. I think there is so much power in this wonderful disruptive storytelling that you guys are a part of um, to empower spouses and not be silent. You don't have to sit in the back and just be the supporter. Um, I think you guys are part of this incredible movement that I have seen of the new generation of spouses coming up who are ready to, you know, for the lack of a cliche term, you know, say it loud and proud. We are military spouses. We are worthy. We are knowledgeable. We are powerful. We are driven. And there is a lot changing. I think it is good to be a military spouse today. And I think we can really put those stereotypes um, in a far closet locked away. This is definitely a new turning point. I mean, I'm, I'm dating myself here with my 30 liciousness, but, you know, I started where communication with my husband was, you know, ship phone calls, you know, and just handwritten letters and email really had just, you know, sort of started, you know, after 2002. And, you know, we kind of grew up for us as those uh, zennials, they kind of like to call them with digital age transforming. So, you know, we have letters that are handwritten, you know, kind of always saved as mementos, But, uh, you know, that transformed into email and at least with email and new social media connections, I was always able to keep in touch with at least one friend from every duty station or spot that I met, or um, even if I had visited him and connected with another spouse or somebody I met while he was on a training, there was new platform for us to stay in touch and for me to build this kind of small network slowly and steadily. And that is empowering in itself. And uh, hold on, I think it went off on a tangent. Tell me the question again, Nina. <laughs> oh no, you were answering it perfectly fine. So I was just asking about the differences between you know the community now and you know how open it is with social media and things. So definitely notice some wonderful differences today. I know I had shared that it's definitely good to be a military spouse today. Social media definitely is empowering because it's giving you ways to connect to other spouses worldwide. So even if you are stationed overseas, you now have stronger connections and communication abilities with your family where that wasn't the case. At 19, you know, we came from a small town in New England and I was transplanted all the way on the furthest side of the, you know, landlocked country, would you say in Washington, in Seattle. So for my parents, it was really hard to deal with that separation. Yet fast forward to, you know, our fourth duty station over in England, you know, and we had Skype and then FaceTime came about and that made a huge difference. They were able to, you know, see their grandchildren. I remember FaceTiming my mom from the hospital, you know, with my second son. And that was huge. You know, we weren't able to do that just three years earlier when I was in Georgia and had my son Camden. Um, So, and I know that you guys have mentioned occasionally too, how when you are part of this military journey that you forget that your family and friends from back home kind of come with you and they kind of ride the journey along with you, especially if you're close to family and you don't have family that is familiar with this military life cycle, you know? So social media is a huge game changer and the platforms and the ways which we can connect make it endless opportunities for connection for self, connection with spouses, connection with family, and to develop your independent status professionally and personally. Amazing. That is so, so, so important. And I know that like I grew up, I'm a military brat, so I kind of know early 2000s. I'm going to no shame here, but I was literally born in 2000. So I am a baby, but we lived in Germany. So we lived overseas. And I definitely remember like my older brother, he's 11 years older than me, kind of going through like the technological advances. But the reason I bring that up is because a lot of my brother's life was here in Germany and he was able to like, you know, as a military brat himself, he 
also went through like the motions of like moving and having to make new friends and trying to find his own community. And I remember our dad putting a computer in his room because, you know, and it was one of these things where he wanted to stay in touch with his friends from back home in the States. But then when we moved from Germany back to the States, he wanted to stay in touch with his friends from Germany. So just being able to watch that growing up and then hearing your story, it's so cool but it's also I also kind of like the aspect of that you said when your husband was deployed you sending letters and you know having like the ship phone calls not that that was like great for communication purposes but you now being able to have that memory and have those like little keepsakes which I think sometimes can get taken for granted nowadays so thank you so much for answering that yeah, I would love to know if there are any things that you went through as a seasoned spouse that you would maybe go back and do differently. Maybe some hardships that you went through and you want to share some tips on for some newer military spouses in the community. Again, wonderful question. Yes, absolutely. I have to tell you that along with learning things through my own hardships, I have to say that one of my best, best resources, in addition to being a very strong advocate for yourself and finding that self-worth was reaching always out to a spouse who was a little bit ahead of me. And I say this because I feel fortunate enough to have learned this lesson very young. It was at one of my first family readiness groups, which I really forced myself to go to. I was at the time, you know, still living alone in the apartment waiting for um, my husband to come back from that first deployment. And he was told me, he's like, you know, you got to go, you got to go. We got to be a part of this. This is bigger than just me and you. And I was like, no, I don't want to, uh, because I'm kind of an extroverted introvert all at the same time. And I went and I feel like this other spouse just kind of noticed me. I was one of the only people there without children. And so I felt very out of place and she took it upon herself, you know, to talk to me, to call me and check on me after that meeting several times and kind of just get to know me and reached out to me. And because of that kindness, I always remembered that. And when I made my attempts to connect with others, I remembered that kindness and I wanted to share that with others. And that's kind of been a theme for me. I wasn't expecting that, but there it was. And I've always brought that with me. Now, I didn't learn that lesson completely because my second duty station where my husband was actually gone a lot more, I was you know, telling myself I was going to throw myself into a part-time job and, you know, school part-time, but really kind of full-time. And we were even car sharing. So I had to get up when he had to be at the ship, which was, you know, oh, dawn o'clock. And then I would, you know, we would drive and then I would go back home, try to pretend to sleep, go to class. And then I would pick him up on my class break. He would bring me to my part-time job. And then sometimes I have a night class. So we'd go back and forth. And then there were duty days where, you know, he has to be on the ship for 24 um, to 48 hours, depending upon the length. And that was a really hard time. And I did not remember that good lesson. And it took me really almost falling apart. And my husband reaching out for me to the spouse of the ombudsman. Um, so the husband of the ombudsman for that command to say, hey, my wife is really struggling. And I think right there, again, that kindness, we need to understand that we are partners. You know, I know it has been such a great message that some of your other guests have said, and you guys have said, you know, we are not just solely designed for the purpose of supporting our spouse. They're there to support us too. And developing that friendship within your marriage to know that you've got each other, no matter the distance is crucial. Um, You know, at that time, Ian, I was throwing out, you know, my lifelines and Ian caught it and handed it to somebody else to catch me. And that was amazing. And I didn't even really see that at that time. It's, It's taken me a few years to look back and recognize that. 
And that's what you have to do as partners going through this journey. It's tough. We've got to find grit um, along with the strength to be independent. We also have to recognize that there's no weakness in, in depending on each other and the capacity to raise one another, just like there's no weakness in you know, sharing our stories here to lift up one another. That is the, the beauty of a relationship. And when you are then entering into becoming a mother, oh goodness, that brings another layer in which you need to remember that you are not alone because feelings of alone do come. Hormones, they are real. Um, <laughs> deployments and trainings don't stop for hormones. The military doesn't stop and doesn't press a pause button just because family life is going on. Uh, and we have to be able to roll with that. But knowing that if you are throwing a lifeline out there, there is somebody who can catch it. And that is very, very important. I also think a great thing, speaking back to building that friendship within your marriage, doing something, you know, old school, right? Like writing a, a letter, if you can, if they are able to receive it at their destination or location is pretty cool. There are small things that we did to connect with each other. You know, when Ian and I were facing new parenthood during that first deployment with our first son, I remember one of the things that he held onto really, really dearly was this cheap little snapfish, um, old school flip book that I made of our son. And it was just like tons of pictures of him, you know, laughing, smiling, being silly as an infant that he ended up telling me he kept in his pocket the entire deployment. And I remember when we got to reconnect on his R&R visit, he like showed it to me and it was huge, you know, something so small made such a difference. And again, you know, something like kindness is free and then something like caring that's just invaluable. Yeah. I think that's a, a great point. I think sometimes, like you said, we forget that those actual tangible things that we can give to one another throughout a deployment or a long TDY, what have you can be so important to them. And to us, it goes both ways. And like you said, it doesn't take a lot to make and to kind of put together, but it's the thought and the care and the love behind it that really, you know, sings, sings through and helps one another just stay connected tangibly without, you know, cause we have technology and all of that's great, but yeah, very powerful. I totally agree. And you kind of touched on how you were giving him something that had pictures of your son and how you guys were kind of able to connect in that sense and help him. But we were kind of wondering if you had any tips or things that you found helpful to support your children through the military lifestyle, which I know is kind of an open, big question. But if you had anything that you felt like you wanted to share, we would love to hear your perspective. Again, Ina and I do not have children yet. And so we don't really, that's not something we're able to speak on. So if you had any things that you have found helpful or resources, even just from the base that you think maybe some spouses or mothers don't know about yet, we would love for you to share that. Wonderful. Yes, absolutely. You know, having our children, they don't ask to be brought into this military lifestyle. <laughs> it's not a choice for them. It, it is just a fact. And they are amazing. They have to learn this lifestyle. And Nina, I know you've mentioned so much you grew up in this lifestyle. And today, as you mentioned with your brother, I think, again, socials are so wonderful. My oldest is 11 now, and he's been able to keep in touch with one friend who ended up just recently moving away. But to watch him have to go through that two years ago when that happened was really heartbreaking. And my younger son, he, my, who is my middle child, he's had to really learn how to make new friends. Um, you know, we moved from his first duty station that he could, he, he was one and a half. And then we moved again when he was three and a half. And so he didn't get to have those, you know, connections where, oh, we're going to meet up with the preschool group and then we're going to go to kindergarten together. Um, He's had to figure that out and how to make friendships along with my older son. Whereas my daughter, conversely, because we are transitioning out and we're staying here, you know, the friendships that she started in preschool and are beginning this year in kindergarten, you know, she'll be able to have those for quite some time since we're here I'm longer than ever. I have dusty suitcases, never has that happened before. And so do they. One of the best things is making myself 
strong. Like I had to make sure that I was strong because if I'm not strong, I can't give to them. I can't give to anybody, you know, again, very cliche, right? Oxygen mask first for you. You have to be able to find that strength. And and even when you think, you know, you don't have anything to give, children are incredible. They are always looking at you with love and they're always looking at you as amazing superheroes. You just are. And that is pure love right there. And that keeps you going, be able to model resilience for them, um, help keep those connections between them and the service member, whether it's reminding your service member, um, you know, to email them throughout the di- uh, day, you know, here and there, or text message them if you have phone services available, again, or writing them a letter. And if you can't, I know there's sometimes where service members have difficulty getting mail, you can always ask the service member to leave behind cards or notes that you can then give to them. Because again, tangible really matters. Children are people who thrive off visuals. And when they're young, there's wonderful things like, you know, those awesome stuffed animals. I know so many family members have gotten that can record a voice and then the children can press it and hear it. There are great resources out there. Things called daddy and mommy dolls, where you can get a picture of your service member made. And that child is able to hold on to that. Even when they are, you know, are present here. I find that I have seen children who I've worked with in education, still bringing their daddy or mommy doll in, even when the service member is there. I think they even like it better (laughs) to show them off because they have so much pride for, for their service member parent. So those are great little tips, but again, at the core of it, we have to know that we are worthy of help. We are worthy of having someone listen to us and it is no weakness to strengthen yourself, whether that is being a part of your family readiness group, reaching out to the ombudsman or the chaplain or the new parent support group, or even going home during a time when you are having a new baby, have a new baby, have a couple of children who are older, have just one child. There's no weakness in whatever you can find that strengthens you through that PCS, through that training, through that deployment and makes you feel independent. Oh my goodness. I love that so much. That is so powerful. I actually want to piggyback off of that just a little bit. Now, I know earlier we talked about you having to like share a car with your husband and stuff during like the beginning stages and you were still, you know, in school, I believe for educational psychology, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you have any tips before I forget? Do you have any tips on balancing school, motherhood, and like the military spouse lifestyle all together? Um, because I know that there are probably lots of military spouses going through something similar of just trying to keep it all together and balance everything. For sure. For sure. I have met friends who have looked at me and said, you are insane (laughs) for trying to continue to pursue education. But again, for me, for my journey of um, being staying and and transforming into the independent dependent that I wanted to be, education was my route. And if you choose education as the thing that fills you up, because, you know, like me, you love reading and research and lifelong learning, then you have accepted that. That is the choice you have made. So there comes some grit and resilience with that, that you must uh, dig up in addition to knowing that motherhood is not on pause, military spouse life is not on pause. Um, So they have to merge together. And I'll be honest, I am not the planning type. I think I bought so many planners from retail stores and I'm like, yes, I'm going to start this. I'm going to start this. But you know what the reality is, is that doesn't always work for me. And I have to kind of roll with it. I've gotten a lot better as I've gotten older, but in my really rough days where I was, you know, holding a baby and typing a research paper during my master's and (laughs) feeding children or dealing with toddler night waking gangs. And, you know, even to last summer on my husband's deployment at the midst of COVID, that was really my worst fear was that something like a worldwide type of situation would happen and we would be apart. And what would I do? Well, that came true. We didn't, nobody could plan for that. Everything about this pandemic has been unpredictable and unexpected. And I was still an ombudsman at the time for the command to supporting other families. And 
as that happened and emerged while I was saying goodbye to active duty member balancing, you know, now becoming a mom who was helping my children finish online school with my daughter who was still a preschooler. And then we ended up doing a year of homeschooling because, you know, that's what came up. So I was still doing graduate school and I had to find the time and make the time even in 10 minute, 20 minute increments to put, you know, the fingers to the keys and do it or, you know, bring the reading in the car with me while I was doing extra things, you know, with my children or they were outside at the park because that's the commitment I made to myself. That's the commitment I made to my educational journey and my desire to pursue education as an independent spouse. So never giving up. And again, to leaning on somebody. One of the things my program impressed upon us was that when I entered my doctorate journey was that you really needed someone to, to be alongside of you. And I actually, it's kind of funny. I connected with a female who actually had just completed her 20 odd years of active duty service in the Navy. And her and I have been somebody who's been able to kind of keep up through Instagram, the mother socials, and just connect with each other and be like, we're making it through. So again, throwing that lifeline out there, knowing that, you know what, there is somebody who's going to catch you and there is somebody who wants to help you too. That is so powerful. I love that you found, I like how you rephrased everything because I feel like people, sometimes it could be easy to think about everything that's kind of going on and feeling the pressure and, you know, why is this happening to me? And obviously we're allowed to have those moments of feeling stressed and feeling overwhelmed, but I love that you were able to turn something like school and pursuing your career and your degree and making that your you time. I think sometimes, and maybe it's just people's passions are lying in different places, but it's easy to take something like that and be like, oh, I have to go, you know, read for this class that I have a test for. And I'm sure not all of the time it's super fun, but the fact that you were able to rephrase that and perspective on it is just so beautiful. And the sense of that's your time, that's your commitment that you've made for yourself to grow and learn and educate yourself and build something that's for you. And I think that that perspective is so powerful because it's easy to just get sucked into the craziness and the negativity that the world can sometimes bring and forget that these choices that we make, we do have power over some of them, right? (laughs) Not all of them, but some of them and choosing to show up for yourself and dedicate those 10 to 20 minutes to read for the test that you have coming up in the class that you're in or, you know, whatever it might be that you've committed to do for yourself is your you time. So I think that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I had, I wanted to bring up, I know we're (laughs) getting close to the hour mark here, but I wanted to bring up a quote that you kind of touched upon. It was in the form that you filled out, but I think that it really ties really nicely to what you're kind of talking about and what we've been talking about this entire podcast is when you think of the skills we need to navigate the active duty life, entrepreneurship aligns amazingly as they both require grit, persistence, organization, and dedication. And I think even the educational route, it ties into that as well. Motherhood, it ties into that. And so I would just love if you might elaborate on it a little bit more in terms of those skills that you're talking about and how they tie into being an active duty spouse, being a mother, owning your own business, pursuing education, and maybe just your perspective on how those skills have impacted your life. Great, great, great conversation topic here. Absolutely. Grit, grace, resilience. Absolutely. They, they fit for everything. As you said, they fit for that role of military spouse and motherhood and entrepreneurship and really I have to say that I came to that reflection because, you know, we're at this point in our journey as an active duty family where my husband is looking at, you know, his retirement and he's actually involved in an incredible program as there are so many services available for transitioning active duty members and spouses too. Spouses need to know that they are their voices are being heard. They're really being considered. And there is a lot out there to offer. Hiring for Heroes is an incredible program that reaches all services, including reserve. And even if you are a spouse um, listening to this or know a spouse who is retired, that program is even still available to those that have retired within a certain window. It's incredible. So 
knowing what is out there, again, you have to have the grit to want to research these things. I encourage everybody to use the technology as that tool and that gateway to help you know things. You have to be your own advocate, just like as an entrepreneur, you know, you are self-starting. You have to know the things that you are needing. Just like as a military spouse, you don't know the things you're needing, but you know what? You have the tools around you. Look at the commissary. There's always flyers and posters. Read those boards. If you can just ask your husband to say, hey, do you know of any other spouses in the area who are really seasoned that you work with? Um, would they just be willing to have a coffee with me or you know, a FaceTime with me or text with me? I learn to do that. At this new duty station, our last one that we're at, when we first arrived here, I felt so alone and I was determined. I was like, it is not going to drag me down. And I said that to my husband. I was like, who do you know who's a seasoned spouse that you can connect me with? And again, you know, he was catching me the way I'm always there to catch him. And he did. And she has become a friend that I know will be hugely a part of my life forever. And she and I actually were ombudsman together. So, and she taught me a lot about grit and resilience and grace too. And you have to have that in motherhood because grace to know that you don't know that journey, just like you don't know the military spouse journey, things happen unpredictably, but you do have to know that it will be okay. You can catch yourself and you can start new tomorrow. You know, we don't know the things we don't know until we know them. We we can't apply those that knowledge until we know them. So use the tools around you like socials and of course your search engines to investigate and ask all the questions. There is no wrong question to ask Google, right? He, <laughs> the search engine isn't going to say eh, error. Just like there's no wrong question to ask the, the family resource officer who are there to help you. There are so many new ways. If you're not comfortable talking to a person, you can do online chats through the military resources. Military OneSource is an incredible tool that I have used in the past when chat was just such a first thing. And I needed to talk to a counselor for a little bit to get me through new motherhood and that deployment that I spoke of where you know Ian was boots on ground for nine months and then a training after that. So we were apart for eight 18 months before we lived together from the time I said goodbye at our home in Georgia until the time we signed the lease on our new little apartment in England. So I had to have grit and I had to have grace with myself to know I was doing the best I could. In motherhood, it is imperative to understand that it is just because you have a baby doesn't mean that you're automatically this all-knowing mother. It's a journey, right? Matrescence tells us it is a journey. Military life is a journey. Becoming a woman, you know, when we marry young and we transition as a woman, we're not going to, I have to definitely share with you, we were not going to be the exact same as we were when we're 19, but you're carrying those same core values and they're evolving with you over your experiences. So resilience, and you're always building those three things. So the grit and grace and resilience that I've learned through this journey of becoming a mother and a military spouse, I'm now applying to the entrepreneur journey and I'm looking to others like yourselves who are greatly versed at entrepreneurship. And I'm going to learn from others. And I have the grace to know that it's going to take time Time and I have the grit to understand that I'm going to put the energy into it because I want it to work and I and I want this for myself as the next step of my journey. That was beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I think that it's going to really resonate, I hope, with a lot of our audience, knowing that we're going to have people who are spouses, who are mothers, who might be on a new entrepreneur journey of their own. And so I feel like no matter what phase of life or walk of life that they're in, something is going to resonate and stick with them. I hope that it, I know it will inspire and encourage other spouses too. Nina, did you have any final questions before we ask kind of our key question at the end of the episode? I just want to thank you so much for being here, for sharing your story, sharing your journey as a military spouse, and really just being so vulnerable and open about your mental health journey along the way. 
and giving so many amazing tips that I know other military spouses and newer military spouses will really be able to use to help them along their journey. But our famous little end question that we always ask is, what does it mean to you to be an independent dependent in this lifestyle? And do you have any final words of encouragement for some other spouses who may be in similar situations as you? Yes, goodness. I I love this question. I I just want to take a moment to thank you for having me. And I really love your, your why. It is so inspiring. And to me, being an independent dependent is knowing and really my discovery of understanding that my story is worthy too. I am worthy to build new chapters just the way my husband is advancing his career and and ranking up in networking and increasing because my story and me building new chapters adds to the story of us. That's beautiful. I love it. I'm just so excited for people to hear this episode with you because I just have had a smile on my face the whole time that you've been talking. So thank you so much, like Nina said, for being so open, being so vulnerable, sharing your story and being so willing to talk about some things that spouses don't usually talk about and things that people are maybe scared, intimidated, and just uh, having room in the conversation for spouses to step up and let their voice be heard. So we really, really appreciate you today. Finally, I know you have a mentoring and coaching program. I don't know if it has a title, but we'd love for you to tell the audience where they can find you, how they can get in touch with you after the episode. And if you have any details about your program that you'd like to share so the audience can sign up and work with you if that's something that you're still offering. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I am, you know, as I shared, I'm really just starting my entrepreneurial venture into myself. And again, my why is really to help others rise. I really believe in this motto of, you know, women will succeed through lifting each other up. And I think that extends to humans. You know, we will rise by lifting each other up. Um, And you can find me at Instagram at Dr. Alyssa Stocking, and please feel free to DM me. I am right now also set up where you can schedule meeting time to talk to me, but I'm really open if you're needing advice, some resources, some support, and my business is really going to be about helping you discover the teacher in you and helping teach teachers because the with this pandemic, with cultural changes in society today, we need to change the definition of what a teacher is and teachers I think are understanding that their scope is changing and being in the education field. I want to teach teachers, which includes homeschooling mamas, which includes just mothers who want to bring some things to their children at home and includes teachers who are finding themselves in the public sector or the private sector. We can increase teacher happiness through that family engagement and child engagement. And I share a lot of tips about that. I share some tips about matrescence, some other resources, and I'm also a special needs mom, my oldest son. So from time to time, I'm also sharing resources about neurodiversity, which is something that has impacted our family and of course our military journey too. And of course my motherhood. So those are the things that I am out there for. And I really am I'm open to connecting with anybody part of our community or even a friend that you may know who needs some support. And thank you girls for having me. Thank you for this incredible message you are putting out there and what you are contributing to the space for military spouses and for independent women. It's beautiful and wonderful. And I'm really humbled to be a part of it today. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate you sharing all of those tips, like I said, and just being vulnerable with us. But yeah, thank you so much. And we will definitely be linking all of your information down in the show notes. So make sure you guys go check that out. Thanks guys. And we'll see y'all in the next episode. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Independent Dependent Podcast. Be sure to head over to millspolifestyle.com to find the blog with all the show notes and links from today's episode. Make sure you let us know what you thought about today's episode over on Instagram at the Millspell Lifestyle. Thanks guys for tuning into today's episode. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.